Let's Pod This is sponsored by Roast Scout. Roast Scout is the best way to discover amazing, delicious coffee from some of the nation's best independent roasters. The people at Roast Scout believe that great coffee is everywhere, but since you can't be everywhere, you might miss out. And so they've created a way to bring that great coffee to you. They work with small batch roasters from around the country to ship fresh roasted whole bean coffee direct to your door each month. Now, other subscription services typically send you just one brand of coffee month after month after month, and that's fine, but it's not great. I mean, what if there's something better out there? What if your coffee soulmate is there in some small mountain town just waiting for you to find it? Roast Scout delivers a bag of fresh coffee to you from a different roaster every single month. Sign up today at roastscout.com slash let's fix this to get $25 off a subscription of three months or more. Two years ago, right. we didn't know shit, right? right? I don't think I voted in 2014. Like, I got the thing in the mail the other day from some organization that said, uh, you know, like you didn't vote. And I was like, yeah, I probably didn't vote in the uh, midterm. I probably was too busy. I was going through a divorce. But I'm damn sure paying attention now. Right. And... Look at how far we've come. Start at the bottom. Now we're here. <laughs> hey, everyone, and welcome to a special extra bonus episode of Let's Pod This. My name is Andy Moore. I'm here with Scott Melson in Upper Room Studios. Hello, sir. What's up, dude? What's happening? Man, I'm... I'm chilling. How are you? I'm well. We haven't recorded on a Saturday in a while. It's been a minute. All right. I mean, we're looking forward to having Saturdays off <laughs> in the future. Bless America. But we felt it was important with the election nary a four, three or four days away that we should record one extra episode beforehand about which races we're watching because we're hosting this big event at the Tower Theater on election night, the election night show. Come here. <laughs> That's Andy's way of saying that you all better be there. Should definitely be there. It's going to be great. And we also, we just needed to make a list of which races that we're watching. So we started that today. And Turns out there's a lot of races. There's several races. Turns out there's occurring. a lot of races. So this should be a shorter episode than usual. You know something funny? So That they're never shorter episodes? <laughs> well, you know, sometimes. Do you know how many episodes or episodes? I can't talk. Do you know how many races... Uh, across the nation that 538 is forecasting. Ooh, he said this. There's 6,000 state legislative and gubernatorial races. Yep. 435 in the house. Yep. Uh what the 30 something in the Senate. Yep. Are they doing anything else besides that? Governors. Well, that's part of the 6,000 though, oh, I thought. Yeah. So, so I'm going to say I'm going to guess 6,000 uh, 576. Well, no, because they're not forecasting state legislative races. So they're like... Oh, they're actually that's like, right. They're, they're talking about... Okay, they're talking about it, but they're actually then. just... They're forecasting 506 races. And so there are right now in Oklahoma, there are 101 House races. There are 25 Senate races. There are 16 uh, statewide races. So that's what? 101, 126, uh, 140, 152. 242 that's 142 races across the state of Oklahoma not counting state questions that'll be on the ballot on Tuesday um, man 
forecasting, like trying to build a forecast for the governor's race it's was work. an insane amount of work. Like building a forecast for 506 races. Well, he said, Nate said in a, in yesterday's episode that even with their model running on multiple instances on a, on like the ABC server, yeah. it still takes 25 minutes to run. Yeah. Because they run 50,000 simulations every time they update. Yeah. Um, 50,000 simulations across 506 races. That's, that's awesome. A lot. That's, I'm going to do a little math here. Mega computing power. Um, well, cause he was, cause he, somebody asked a question, um, like, does he have a special like version yeah, of the model or right. does he just like, he's like, does well, he just like look at the website? He's like, uh, I actually, I have a version that's on my computer, but it's big enough now that to like update it on my computer, it takes a long time. So he just looks at the website. So that's 20. I just did the math by the way. That's 25.3 million simulations every time they update their model. That's a lot. And they do it like 10, 12 times a day. Good golly. Good golly. Well, let's talk about the races that we're watching with a much smaller model. So first, just, uh, and this will be just kind of our predictions or off the cuff, our thoughts on these, not scientific. Yeah, yeah. These are just races that we find that we find interesting. And these and, are ones that we'll be discussing on Tuesday night. Yeah. And even races that, even when you're talking about only, you know, 100 and whatever you said, 142 races, I think it is useful to kind of have a, all right, when we're breaking it down, what what races are we, like, what's our heuristic for a race that we think is worth Ooh, watching, right? Yeah. So, you know, like, I would. So the governor's race? Yeah. So anything, all the statewide races, right? Like all right. of the statewide races, but even of those, the governor's race is, I think, the most, you know, like competitive yeah the most competitive although as we talked about earlier this week based on the sooner poll results and the fact that several of the statewide candidates are leading by double digits but also under 50 percent of their polling we could have some surprises there right um but certainly i think that the governor's race is going to be the most competitive so yeah so i think i mean and it's really too close to call so we ran as we said in our last episode we ran our model on one day and then ran again the next day with new information and it changed from stitt to edmondson which, yep. but both times was still within the margin of error. Yep. And so we don't know. No one knows. Um, whoever your candidate is, you got to get out there and vote. That's right, man. That's because right. Because uh, it's going to make the difference here. No. This, I mean, it might come down to hundreds of votes. I think that's possible. Certainly. Dangling Chad. Territory. You know, it's going to depend a little bit, right? It's going to depend a little bit on on turnout. The the you know in our forecast in our forecast the outcome is not dependent on turnout. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, like, cause our, cause we are forecasting allocated like vote share. Right. Based on historical data. Right. So in our forecast, it's, it's turnout independent and we have said we have Edmondson winning and we have Edmondson winning by uh, like 91,000 votes. That's not um, much when you consider. Um, actually that's wrong. State. I'm sorry. That's uh, wrong. I looked at the wrong. Um, that's if Edmondson was to win at the top end of uh. the margin of error. I was like, that's not, that can't be right. We have Edmondson winning by like uh, just a little over 28,000 votes. Um, well, that's even less. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you consider like 20, 28- well, we looked this up. This is like the population of uh, Ardmore. Or yeah. Something. Yeah. I mean, and another way to think of that is like if, you know, if all, um, if turnout is kind of what we think that it would be and we are, we are projecting turnout will be at average of like what it, of what it typically is in a governor's, in a governor's race. And I think, we are all aware that it could easily be well above average, but if turnout is what we think it is, and Edmondson was to win by twenty-eight thousand votes, that would mean that he would win by two point eight percent. That's very tiny. It's not 
much. So next uh, statewide race, Lieutenant Governor between Matt Pinnell and Anastasia Pittman and Ivan Holmes, who's the independent. Um, all the polling says that's not going to be a particularly competitive race. It is expected that Pinnell will win that race. Yeah. Although, is that one of the races that's that the leader's under 50? It might be. I think it is. Mainly because Anastasia was a former state senator and has good yeah. name recognition. Yeah. And, um, and it, this may be one of those down-ballot races that will depend on how many Democrats turn out, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, you know, the the state auditor, state auditor's race, I, I I really don't think that's going to get interesting. I suppose that it could. Um, well, it's just a, just a Republican candidate, Cindy Byrd, who works there for Gary Jones now, yeah, and yep. then a Libertarian, John Yetter? Yeter? Yeah, yeah, Yeter, I think. Yeter, maybe. Mm-hmm. And then of the other statewide races, there's the AG, Superintendent of Public Instruction, and the Corporation Commission, those are all races that I think are probably, those are those are probably in the bag. I think Mike Hunter has it in the bag. I think that Joy Hoffmeister has it in the bag. And I think Bob Anthony probably has it in the bag as well. Yeah. Um, the state treasurer is between state rep Randy McDaniel, who's been in the House. He was from uh, House District 83 here in yes. Oklahoma City in like Nichols Hills area. Yep, yep. Um, and he's running against an independent, Charles DeCoon, who that, has garnered a surprising amount of of uh, traction for an independent candidate. That one could that one could that one could get interesting. I still think Randy's going to win. I think that's true, but I think that that's that's one that this is a race that in the right setting you could get a surprise. Right, right. Who's Ken Miller, he's treasurer now. Yes. What's he doing after he gets out of office? Is it a term limited position? Yes, probably. I wonder what he's going to do. Surely he'll get some kind of cushy job. Do you know? Maybe. Interesting. <laughs> I'm sure he'll get he'll he'll land on his feet. Is that fair to say? Yeah. <laughs> Make several times what I make. Um, are you not? Uh, that's fine. Um, our listeners' interest has peaked as well as mine. So really, I think that's we'll talk later. <laughs> that's about that. Um, Labor commissioner, I. Th- I, I think I, Leslie's probably going to win, but I, again, she's one of the ones that currently I think is polling at like forty-eight percent. I think Fred's at like twenty-two with like twenty-five percent undecided. Undecided. So I was at um, well, I, I held an event two weeks ago for Freedom of Information Oklahoma. We had a networking event in Tulsa with the Society of Professional Journalists and the uh, Oklahoma Journalism Hall of Fame. Really, just a chance to get together a bunch of journalists and connect and and um, show them some appreciation and talk about open government. And as it turned out, a bunch of candidates showed up as well. So all these independent candidates and then um, and then a couple of Democratic candidates. So Fred Durrell and Kimberly Fobbs, who we've had on this show before, they both were happened to be in Tulsa and came by as well. And so Fred Durrell was there with the independent candidate for labor commissioner, uh, Brant Dismuke, Dismukes. And so I didn't get to I didn't want to eavesdrop on their conversation, but I thought, I wonder if Darrell is like a little irritated that the independent candidate is here, right? Because in this system, he might, there's a chance that Dismukes might pull some of his votes. It's, I think it's a higher chance he's going to pull Darrell's votes than, um, than Osborne's votes. Yeah, I think that's true. I also think that, um, I also think that this is a, this is a race, like some of these races where the Republican is pulling, at less than, and I say Republican because the leaders are all Republicans. Where the leaders are polling at less than fifty, I wonder how much anti, um, 
incumbent incumbent sentiments out there. So I was I was doing some canvassing this morning for yes. a, a couple of uh, a couple of candidates, and I was surprised, quite frankly, at the number of people who are voting just anti incumbent, like across really? the board, like just like get rid get rid of all of them. So I think that some of these Democratic and independent candidates could benefit from that that's that's very likely although i feel like leslie has probably warmed up folks on both sides of the aisle there yeah uh and then the last one is glenn mulready uh facing off with kim fobbs uh glenn mulready is a former state legislator from tulsa kim fobbs is also from tulsa active in progressive politics up there for a long time um i i think that uh representative mulready probably again i think he's the heavy favorite to win this race but it's one that could be surprising again kind of depending on how the night goes overall right the other races that they're not statewide but we kind of lump them in the statewide category are the congressional races um the congressional races are for the united states house of representatives congressional districts one two three four and five here in oklahoma um pretty much all a lot yeah suffice it to say the outcome is only in question in one and that is congressional district one uh where uh or, excuse me, Congressional District uh, 5, where Kendra Horn is running against Steve Russell, um, who is the incumbent, and we will see what happens in that race. Yeah. So, I well. mean, the polling should be close. Well, the polling, the polling has been somewhat close. They've had Russell's the favorite. We, I, you know, you and I texted earlier. Um, I heard on uh, another podcast, on the News OK Political State podcast. Uh, what are you doing listening to other podcasts? They're great, and I'm trying to stay informed, like all voters should. Also, I would say they're friends of the pod, Ben Felder and, and uh, Dale Denwell. I know. I'm just kidding. We should, have some, we should invite them on ours. We should have them come on. The Journal Record also, they were friends of the pod. Um, but they were talking about the news that, I guess, on Thursday or Friday, Bloomberg's PAC, which is obviously Democratic, paid $400,000 for an ad buy for Kendra Horn, which is an enormous amount of money in a race. So finally, here it is at the end. When people have been talking about this race and it that it may have national significance, you know, four or five days before the election, you finally get some national money that comes in to her side of it. I, I guess, I mean, Russell's had some national money on his side, but this was really the first time that Kendra's had any of significance. Um, and it is significant. I mean, that's a half million dollars, right? Like that buys a lot of ads in five days. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they bought ads like during the OU game and during uh, Wheel of Fortune and stuff like that. So. Which ain't cheap. No, I mean, Wheel of Fortune, that's a, a very specific demographic. Right. When's the last time you watched Wheel of Fortune? It's been a minute. Wheel of Fortune. Oh, which would you... Here we go. Um, I don't know. Would you rather Wheel of Fortune or... Um, oh, man, I'm blank on the name. What? Jeopardy? No, everyone knows Jeopardy's the best. Oh, okay, good. The Price is Right. Oh, Wheel of Fortune. Really? Yeah, Wheel of Fortune. No way, man. I'd go Price is Right all the way. I, I want the little yodeler. I'm, I'm going to say something here that's yodeler, that's that's not popular. Plinko. Not a huge Bob Barker fan. He's not on anymore. I know, but I wasn't when it was on. Like when I would have watched Price is Right was when Bob Barker was on. Right. You didn't. How did? How do you not like Bob Barker? He's a little sexist. Well, that's fair. Also, was a. <laughs> I mean, Barker's Beauties was a very sexist thing. <laughs> I felt uncomfortable with that as well. Also, the tiny microphone was always a little bit weird. Mm. At the time, yeah. I'm I'm a little surprised. Who's it? Drew uh, Drew, what's his face? Right, Drew Carey. Yes, the host it now. Yes, man, how the money have fallen. Man, he 
He's gone through a lot of changes in his life. Right. He had like a primetime sitcom that was named after him, and now he hosts The Price is Right. Although that's probably a pretty lucrative gig. Well, and then he also had, if he still does, is he still on, is Whose Line Is It Anyway still a show? I don't think it's still on anymore. Yeah, I don't know. Just in syndication on yeah, TBS? Probably. All right, well, back to the races. Shall we move on to the uh, Senate? <laughs> the Senate. Oh, jumping down to the end of our spreadsheet. Yes, let's move to the Senate, Scott. Senate races. So we've got 25 Senate races. Now, uh, the uh, newly tuned in among you may be like, wait, are there only 25 senators? No, there are not. There are 40, what, seven, 48 Eight. senators? 48. 48 senators. However, they serve four-year terms, so only half-ish of them are up in any given year. Yes. So this year, half of them are up, and in two years, the next half will be up. Yes, right. So it's staggered, as it is with the U.S. Senate, but this is on a smaller scale. Um, and so I, I think, so I picked out three here that I think, um, that I'm watching. Um, the first one is Senate district 16, which is down in Norman. And that was formerly held by Senator Sparks, who, um, was term limited, right? Yes. Um, he was the democratic leader in the Senate. Yes. Uh, and so certainly the Republicans are trying to capture that seat. Norman seats are always funny. I mean, it's somewhat gerrymandered ish down there, but I think things are always in flux, especially in a college town like Norman, property values shift substantially, oh, somewhat yeah. quickly. And so oh, yeah. um, that can affect the demographic who live there. So the Republican is Becky Maldonado, and the Democratic is Mary B. Boren, who, yes, is somewhat related to President Boren from OU. But it, like, she's, she's one of those Borens. She, but she like married in, and she's like a niece or something. No, she's not a real Boren? I don't think, I don't hmm. think she's... It's not in her blood lineage. I think she's married okay. in, if okay. I remember correctly, but I could be wrong. All right. She, and I really, you know, <sighs> now that I've said it out loud, I don't know that I'm correct at all. So let's just strike that from the record. <laughs> uh, we'll, edit, we'll edit that. We've, we'll probably just leave it in there, but just listeners disregard that. Take it out. Anyway, um, I've seen a lot from both of them. They seem like really strong candidates. So that'll be, a, I think that'll be a hard fought race. It should be close, but what do I know? Uh, and then the next race is um, Senate District 30 here in Oklahoma City. This is my Senate district. Scott, are you in this district as well? I'm not. No, you're I over in you're in K. Floyd's district. I'm in SD 46. Okay, so I'm in District 30, um, which is a very odd-shaped district. It starts up um, kind of by Lake Hefner, goes over towards like Rockwell Council, goes down through Bethany, and then comes across between like 23rd, um, uh, not, kind of just north of 23rd over... Um, to May or Villa or Penn, somewhere yeah, in there. Yeah. And um, it's like a big letter C if you look at the map. So you get a, it's weird to think. So like me who lives at uh, near May and 23rd and my sister who lives in Bethany are both in the same district, but we almost never travel into each other's bubbles unless it's to visit one right. another, right? So right. like very disparate parts of the, of the city, but still in the same Senate district, formerly held by David Holt, now the mayor of Oklahoma City. And this is uh, down between two candidates, Republican John Simcox and Democratic uh, Julia Kurt. My hunch is Julia is going to win. I agree. That's the that's the word I've heard from yeah. Republicans as well. Yeah, I agree. I think Simcox has done a, a good campaign. I got three mailers from him today and two from Julia. So the post it's, office is doing all right. I mean, I think it's, a, it's one of those districts that as Oklahoma City has continued to grow and change, I think that's a district that has changed. I think that's probably the most purple Senate district. Yeah, I agree. Um, and so we'll see. Although um, Julia said that, very, I, think there's, there's, I think they're both moderates too. Like there's Holt was. one other one on here that I think might might. 
be the most purple district, but well, we'll get to that. I said purple Senate district. Uh, well, that's why I'm I'm saying same. There's you, a, there's another one I think could vie for that. Is it is it District 32? No, that's only one. The one I have on my list. SD 40. Oh, okay. Oh, man, I left that off. Yeah, so that's Carrie Hicks. That's that's my that's that's one of mine to watch. So you're I I am with you so far on right. uh, SD 30. I'm with you on um, the race down in Norman SD 16. But one of my one of mine to watch is with a, a Senate District 40, which is Joe Howell, uh, Carrie Hicks, and then an independent Christopher Hensley. Uh, this is an, this is an interesting district. This is Senator Yen's former district. Senator Yen uh, was he the lost, incumbent. He uh, lost, he in, the lost primary, in the primary to Joe Howell. Yeah. Um, Senator Yen's an anesthesiologist. Joe Howell is a veterinarian. Uh, interestingly, uh, Mr. Howell, Dr. Howell, uh, is a non-vaxxer, is an anti-vaxxer. Oh really? Yeah, which stirs some so, feelings. So Yin me. lost yeah. to a more arguably a much more conservative, a guy. more conservative yeah. guy. Yeah. At least on that issue. Yeah, uh, Carrie Hicks has run a really strong campaign. I think that I I think she is probably the favorite. I don't know which way. I don't know. I don't know if the independent candidate Mr. Hensley will pull more votes from Howell, more votes from Hicks, or if it'll be about equal. Right. I will say. Um, I don't really have a dog in this fight because that's not my Senate district. Um, Kerry bought bit at, uh, bit, 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 beat out Danielle Izell for the primary, which was a close race. Yes, I've I've seen Kerry canvassing, like I've seen her door knocking yep. as I've driven around town, and she, people may not know this, but she had a baby in the middle of this campaign. Like she was door knocking, yes. very pregnant. I mean, up until the week of, delivered a baby, and within like two weeks was back out there knocking doors. Um, I'm curious how that will resonate with Republican voters who might. Yep have more conservative views of a woman's role in the home and outside the home. But I'll tell you what, that's a hell of a lot of hustle to be out there nine months pregnant, like beating the pavement. I saw her on 30th street, like just hoofing it from door to door. And she was quite pregnant. Yes. Great with child. Um, She's also an educator. So she's one of the education candidates that's running this year. They got out of the primary and um, uh, is running kind of on that platform of improving Oklahoma schools. So that's a district to watch if you want to kind of see how the Remember in November campaign is playing out. Right. Um, and then another race that I, you know, it may not be competitive. It's a race I'm watching just because this is just personal, uh, is SD48. And that's uh, former House uh, State Representative George Young. Uh, running against Willard Lindsay. This is, I believe, Anastasia Pittman's district where she was running. She left to run for governor. Um, and George Young is running there to replace her. I just, I really like George Young. <laughs> I like George Young. I think he's awesome. And so I'm, I'm watching that race just to see what happens there. He, yeah, he's one of those guys that like does not rise to speak before the body unless it's really important to him. And but have you ever heard him speak? Well, he's a preacher. He can Dude. bring he can bring the fire. He brings a word, man. He does. When he when when George Young speaks, you sit up and listen. I um I imagine I feel like he will likely win this. I think so. I imagine it's his seat to lose, but uh, but you never know like this. All right, well let's jump. Anything else? Do you want to jump to the house now? Let's do it. All right, great. Um, so I think right off the bat. Um, there are 101 races. 101 races. It's a lot. And we're gonna just going to skip ahead to House District 22, which is currently held by Charles McCall, who is the Speaker of the House. Charles McCall. Why do I know that name? Because he is the Speaker of the House. Oh, he's Mr. Speaker. Very important person in the state legislature. A very he, powerful, powerful person. Powerful person, yes. Um, it is It is expected that he will win. However, which... which 
Is it? Is it? Yeah. I mean, like, I guess I would say the conventional wisdom says that he will win. And I think that he probably will. However, that is a competitive race. I think not only because um, that's just that is a part of the state that is more democratic than you might think. And it's a part of the state that even if the rest of the state has trended red, there's been some kind of, uh, you might say, yellow dog Democrats that are still kind of entrenched in that part of Oklahoma. Labradors. I don't that's know. What that. I always, that's what I imagine when I hear that phrase. So um, this, this his district uh, on the east end is Atoka, which that's where he lives, isn't it? Yes. And so that's on the on the far east end. It's a big district. It goes across, I think, three counties uh, or at least. So it spreads west, includes uh, Tishomingo, um, part of Lake, all of Lake Texoma, um, and then, well, or whatever. Lake so it's Atoka is. County, and what are the what are the, what are the other two counties? I don't have the counties on this map. Um, so it goes from from sulfur, or excuse me, from Atoka on the east, kind of south a little bit, includes Tishomingo, and then up to the northwest and includes Sulphur and Davis and the Chickasaw National Recreation Area. So, like, just for point of reference, Atoka County, um, our forecast, our gubernatorial forecast, has um, Atoka County going uh, Democrat. But with a vote share of fifty point five. Oh, so just barely. So then. like, like we're we're yeah we're projecting fifty point five to forty eight point two two. Excuse me, fifty point five to uh, forty nine point five in Atoka County. And so he does not have all of Atoka County. He has like the western half of it. Sure. So that's. Do you think that's by accident? No, I don't. <laughs> I do not, Scott. I think that's quite undesigned. But yeah, no, I think that'll be. I think that that is a race that is going to be a lot more competitive. He speaker may win, but it's a race that's going to be a lot more competitive than I think many people think. I agree. What else you got? Uh, House District Forty Five, which is uh, was formerly held by um, House Member Claudia Griffith, who uh, yeah recently passed yeah. away, yeah. and uh, so there are this is one of those seats, as there are quite a few that will have a new representative, regardless in there. Um, so the candidates are Republican Mark Edders, Democrat Marilyn Bell, and an Independent. Uh, Tom Hackleman uh, and so I've seen a lot from Marilyn Bell I think she's a Sally's List candidate I've seen some stuff from Mark Edders I think again this is a Norman race and so again it will be close is Cleveland County uh, how does it trend on our thing is it one so, of those so Cleveland County actually we have in our gubernatorial fat in our gubernatorial forecast we have Cleveland County as a solid dim really uh, with the Democrat projected to get 59.98% of the vote. I like that you put the emphasis on goober and gubernatorial. Gubernatorial. So then the next race we're watching is... Or gubernatorial. The gruba? Gubernatorial. Like from Die Hard. Oh, right. I was like, I'm thinking of Gru from Despicable Me. No. That's because I have kids. Let's cut that. We want to watch Gru too. That's not the name of the movie. It was terrible. It was a bad joke. Take it out. That's good. All right. House District 47... Um, which is uh, Leslie Osborne's former seat. This is out in Canadian County. And Up for grabs. Mustang. Again, another new person will be there. Democrat Sarah Carnes versus uh, Republican Brian Hill. I believe Leslie has endorsed Mr. Hill. I had a really good friend in junior high named Brian Hill, but that was in Minnesota. I think he still lives there. Not the same guy. What if it was the same guy? It's not. I'm friends with... I'm friends with my friend on Facebook and not with this guy yet. So I saw there, I'm friends with a former teacher of mine um, from Edmund who is 
on Facebook, and they posted <laughs> they posted a, a picture of themselves at the Thunder game, and they were seated next to this random person. They were like, "This was a teacher in mm-hmm. high school," and they were like, "They were like seated next to an Edmund Memorial grad at the Thunder game." Small world, and I was like, "Not, not really." I mean, how many people were in your graduating class? I mean, four hundred and fifty. So, but so four hundred and fifty that graduate every single year. Yeah, and you graduated. Almost I, twenty years ago. Yeah. Well, no, but this was just like it wasn't from my year. Right. Was I'm like, saying yeah. cumulatively, four hundred, and it's gotten bigger. So four hundred yeah. times fifteen. Yeah. Right? Like that's a lot of people. Yeah. Who probably came from wealth or a, a higher than average socioeconomic status and can afford tickets to a Thunder game. And- yeah. So it was kind of one of those like I feel like small world is like you're watching like a soccer game in Prague and you're next to someone that graduated from your high school, right, right. that small world, not like you're at a NBA game in your hometown. Right. I'm with you. I just found that odd. Shout out to your teacher. Um, Sarah Carnes, speaking of educators, Sarah Carnes is a teacher, so she's a member of the uh, teacher caucus trying to get elected. Um, House District 83, which is in Oklahoma City slash Nichols Hills, uh, formerly held by Randy McDaniel, who is now running for state treasurer. Um, this uh, is between Republican Jason Reese and Democrat Chelsea Branham. Um, Chelsea, I believe, is a Native American, but also a Sally's List candidate, has run a very strong campaign. Uh, and so I, I have a hunch it's probably Mr. Reese's race to lose, but I think this one will be close. Yeah. Really, any of these races in the metro areas are going to be close, I think. No, I agree. I mean, I would even point to the one that's... Um there's a, a race just above their house house district 81 Mike Osborne and Jackie Phillips oh right it's in Edmond yeah it's in Edmond and I I mean Osborne's the incumbent um Jackie I think Jackie Phillips could she could make a dent there she also has run a strong campaign agreed um, agreed and uh and then house district 85 of course is uh Cindy Munson's district so she's the incumbent friend of the show she's not been on the show but she's still a friend of the show <laughs> And she, um, she would have been on the show, but she's been campaigning. She's been busy. So I think she may have campaigned for more consecutive years than anybody else in the legislature because, um, representative Munson took office for a, well, she ran once and lost. And then the guy that beat her died while in office. So then she had to run again for a special election and got elected. Uh, yeah, she won. But then like six months later, the term was up. And, and she had, got reelected. And then she had to, so she had to just keep campaigning, even though she already won, and then got reelected. And then this is the one after that, or this is two after that. She's like the special session of candidates. She, <laughs> she is the special session of candidates. Um, <laughs> just keeps going and going and going. And so, um, Representative Munson, uh, as the incumbent, I suppose it's her race to lose. However, because of its location in Oklahoma City, Nichols Hills area, um, it is a at least a purplish area. I would argue this is one of the most purple districts in the state. So yeah. we'll see. Yeah. Um she has also she has two opponents, Matt Jackson, a Republican, and Stephen Paulson, a libertarian, and that might be to her advantage because the libertarian might pull some votes away from the Republican candidate. Yes. So we'll see what happens. Uh and then I've got just two others on our list. Um House District ninety from uh, Republican House Leader John Eccles, friend of the pod, and uh, Lavelle Compton, not yet a friend of the pod, but he's one of those I think that we would have on. Um, so Eccles has been the floor leader. I feel like we did we speak to him on the phone early on in our podcast career. Do you want me to be honest? 
it didn't work out, right? We've supposed to have him on like five Several times. times. We'll make that happen. never worked. Um, there's a chance he might show up to the election night show. Really? Indeed. I need to text him. Um, so uh, Eccles is the incumbent. Lavelle, I don't. I think I think it's pretty solid that Eccles is gonna is gonna win re-election. Um, I've heard some folks that that uh, Mr. Compton is a very um, talented and kind of uh, gregarious guy. However, I did see in the news today nice use of the word gregarious. It's a great word, gregarious and egregious, both great words. Lots of G's there, being very different things. That's awesome. <laughs> I like a I like a word with a hard G, like GIF. We've had this fight on the podcast before. Yeah, but I say that it's I say it's GIF and you say it's JIF. I know because in that sense. So you don't really yeah. like hard G's. No, I just wanted to bring it up to see if you take the bait. You do like hard G's. I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> like in giraffe. <laughs> eggs. Wow. Like anything with eggs. Mostly. Hey, I I I <clears throat> I don't know which one you're going to next, but um before you get there, I'm gonna add one to that and say uh I'm I'm going to throw S, uh, House District 91 as one to watch. It may it may not be competitive at all. In fact, I would say I think that it probably won't be competitive all competitive competitive at all. Oh, I this know is, why. Yeah. Yeah, this is Representative Chris Kennedy's district. The reason I think so one, this is a district that is more purple than you would think. Two, there were lots of teachers that spoke with Representative Kennedy that I know and I talked to during the walkout that were not real happy with some of his responses. So this is a district that could, you know, you could see some of the quote unquote education vote come into play. But three, there was a story in the New York times this week that there was a, a directed effort by representative Kennedy and some other, I don't know, uh, interests maybe would be the right word um, to push back and oust some of the more kind of super conservative members of the Republican caucus in the primary. So in the Republican primary, some of the members of the platform caucus, which is the kind of super conservative wing of the Oklahoma Republican party in the house, um, there was a, a campaign that was run against them. And I remember at the time people being like, they're not sure where some of this money is coming from. There were rumblings about whether it was coming kind of from inside the party. And as it turns out, uh, the New York times reports this week that that was representative Kennedy um, and some folks that work with him. I don't. Yeah, he took responsibility for it yeah. all, but there's some suspicion that maybe others. Yeah, and the question is, I don't know, and I I don't know the answer to this. Will there be backlash from Republicans in his district for that? So I'm curious to see. Um, so I've, and I and I I'm I'm that's not rhetorical. I have no idea. <laughs> like I have I have no idea if there will be or not. It's funny. He's a interesting guy. So I've talked to him on several occasions where he uh, hangs out at a coffee shop here in town when he's in during session. And I've run into him, and he always asks way more questions than he does speak. Like he's generally interested in, in trying to find out and listen to people and um, voters of all stripes. And so that's curious. His opponent, Amanda Jeffers, is a um, an educator, I believe, uh, and so she may be one of those. But um, so we'll just see what happens. Um, the other I one. I didn't mean to steal your thunder. No, you didn't steal any thunder. I have no thunder. My thunder is your thunder. It's a Woody Guthrie song that hasn't made very popular. All right. And then uh, House District 94, which is uh, Republican Jason Sansom and Rep- uh, Democrat Andy Fugate. Good first name. Andy. Solid. Yep. Um, I've seen a few of his things around. I haven't seen much of Sansom's, but um, this was Scott Inman's former seat. So 
This is uh, out in, in Middell area, Dell City, I guess. Yep. And uh, Scott Edmund, former Democratic House leader, stepped down. That was a weird deal. I don't, kind of a scandal, I guess. Alleged I, scandal. I don't, yeah, I don't think. He was running for governor, dropped out of that too. I don't know that anyone knows really what happened. There's right, just yeah. a lot of rumor. Anyway, I saw him last week. He's grown a beard, got new glasses. Well, I don't know what that means, but there's that. Um, and so it's been a Democratic seat. However, uh, Inman was a pretty conservative Democrat, I think. He's a, kind of known as a pro-life Democrat, and I think he's Catholic. And so there's a there's a chance that this seat could be up for grabs as well. I think I think the extent to which Inman is a conservative Democrat I think it depends on what you mean by that, right? Like, well, I think it's a, I think it's a little up for debate. That's fair. He's probably not a conservative Democrat, but I think I don't think he would describe himself as a conservative Democrat. No, I'm I think sure. He, I, I think he would describe himself as a pro-life Democrat for sure. Right, I which may not be the same as conservative. Right. Again, very few people are single-issue people. Well, as far as candidates, there's a lot of voters that vote single-issue. Yeah, that's true. Fair. And people who campaign as single-issue, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um. So we'll see. All right, Scott, that's all that I have on my list. Looking at our forecast, I know that you did some work a little while ago to look. And again, this is a county by county thing, so we can't yet drill down to like the individual district level. Right. Um, but it's, we on, can, it's on our list. It's on our list. Our long, long list of things, things we'd like we to, do. to do. Right. Um, but we can maybe look at the numbers and say which counties might be close, right? Competitive. Yeah. So if we if we look at our forecast, and again, our forecast is allocating vote share. All right. So when we say that a candidate like wins a county or loses a county or that it's a toss up, that doesn't mean that there's like electoral votes at play. It just means that this in this county, the candidate who wins, quote unquote, is allocated the majority of the vote share in that county. Um, so we have, according to our forecast, 22 counties that we would say are competitive. Um, some of them are ones that you might uh, that you might expect, like um, for instance, uh, Canadian County is one that <coughs> is interesting. It's one we have Republicans winning, um, which I think would would be in line with the conventional wisdom. But it's it's a county that we think, yeah, Republicans will win, but we think it'll, that it will be maybe closer than some folks expect. We've got honestly the majority of these are rural counties. Um, the counties that I think some might, some folks might think of as more kind of in the toss up category, um, like Tulsa, we have Tulsa as a lean democratic. We have, uh, Oklahoma County as a likely democratic County. We have, um, what else do we have here? We've got Muskogee County as a lean democratic County. That's where, um, uh, Drew Edmondson's from. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we've, it's, it's just, it's interesting because most of these counties are kind of in, in the more rural part of the state, which I think would surprise some people. A lot of counties that are in the Southeast, um, typically a fairly democratic, a democratic stronghold or such as, such as it exists in Oklahoma. Um, so 22 of our 77 counties are counties we think that could be kind of in play for either side to get on election day. Interesting. I will say there's one that I missed real quick before we wrap up here. And that is Senate district 32, which is, uh, being, um, challenged by Republican John Michael Montgomery, who's been in the house for a couple of years. He's running for Senate. And then his democratic challenger is, uh, Jacob Crowley of note. So this district has been a democratic district formerly held by Randy Bass, um, who is term limited. And so he cannot run for reelection. And so it's so it's a, a brand new dim challenger coming in against a Republican that has some name recognition. So it's not really an incumbent, but kind of um, 
Randy Bass, when he was in there, he ran unopposed in 2006, 2010, and honestly, really in 2014. So he's been unopposed, I guess, the whole time. Like, in many cases, not even a primary challenger. In 2014, he had a Republican challenger initially, but that person got removed from the ballot, and I haven't been able to find out why, but there was a challenge that he shouldn't be on the ballot, and they found enough evidence to kick him off. And so... Um, so he didn't have an opponent after all. Isn't that crazy? Interesting. So he, again, just twelve years of no, no, no opponents makes for easy winning. All right, Scott. Anything else you have before we wrap up? Man, I think that's all I've got right now. All right. The only thing I have is a reminder that you guys all know on Tuesday, on Election Day, one, go vote. Two, follow us on Instagram, uh, Instagram.com/slash Let's Fix This Okay, or just at let's fix this okay you can find us we'll be doing updates on our story kind of throughout the day as we prep for the election night show we may be taking some folks to vote uh, i think i'm going to go vote in the morning i'm i mean i'm definitely going to go i missed early voting so i have to go on tuesday did you did you get out to uh i guess no i was going to see if you'd gotten to the, the county election board today to I see s- what the early vote numbers i didn't like. i saw lines but I uh, I didn't get over there myself to see right. to try to vote. I didn't have time. Right. Had another, are, another board meeting. Lines are good. They are. So follow us uh, on Instagram and Twitter. We're doing updates all day. And then Tuesday night, the election night show at the Tower Theater, 6 p.m. Scott and I will be there. Joy Hoffmeister, uh, Jason Dunnington, AJ Griffin, Ben Odom, Felix Linden, Kaki Porch, JB, Catherine Sweeney. Maybe it on those guests. Um, Spencer Hicks doing stand-up comedy. Joel Mossman, Casey Clifford, uh, Stephen Salewan doing music. JB also doing music. House band, new house band. Avenue is going to be there. Avenue Trio is going to be house band. It's going to be super fun, free food, um, free admission. Bring your kids if you want. We'll have a kids area with some coloring and some crafts back there. Uh, it should be keep them busy while you listen to us. And live election results throughout the night. It's really going to be a lot of fun. We're looking forward to it. I've got a whole stack of 5x8 blue index cards so I can channel my inner David Letterman. I'm pretty excited. I may have to have my wife write them out, though, because I have terrible penmanship. So, all right. That's it. We'll just end there. We'll see you guys on Tuesday. Don't forget to vote. Vote.